You're listening to Voices of Value, a selection of valuable insights designed to help you get more out of your professional and personal life through simple and easy-to-adopt life lessons. If you're keen to enjoy a better quality of life at work and at home, sit back and join the conversation with your hosts, Peter Kakos and Rick Rushton. Welcome back to Voices of Value and our second part with our good friend David Knox. And the first session with David, Rick, was amazing. It was, and I think what he's sharing with this is simple strategies that are easy to do, but as he mentioned in that first part of the interview, easy not to do as well. And I think the context around what he's sharing is, is that it's part dialogue, a lot of information, but most importantly, it's about engaging with other people. So let's hear again from David Knox. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be on the first part, and, and uh, it's an honor to be with you, Rick and Peter. So we left off talking about dealing with the tough market. Uh, as I mentioned in that segment, I've been through, I don't know, two, three, four of them. I've had to deal with it in my own business. It's not easy. It's not fun, and, uh, and it's difficult. So I think you almost have to just get into that mindset. All right, it's, you know, not every market is easy. But as I mentioned, I want to remind us that when the market goes down by whatever, 50%, the number of agents competing against you probably goes down by 60 or 70. So the per capita units, the units per agent actually goes up. So you can still make the same amount of money, uh, but you do have to be taking the initiative to go to the prospects because they're no longer coming to you. So now you've got a prospect and let's talk about how to deal with either, both buyers and sellers. And I'll start with buyers first. You finally meet somebody that says they want to buy a home. How do you know if they have a buyer? The answer is they answered this question properly. How soon would you like to be settled? And if the answer is within a week, two, three weeks, maybe 30 days at the most, and they're serious about that answer, then you probably have a buyer. The second question I would ask is, how long have you been looking? And if they've been looking for, you know, a couple, three, four, five years, maybe that's an indicator that they're going to keep going. And the third question is, if you found a home today, that met your needs and was in your price range, what would you do? How soon do you want to buy? How long have you been looking? And if you found something today, what would you do? If they pass those three questions, they want to buy soon, they're in the early periods of marketing, and if they find something, they'll buy it. Great. Next step. Then you get in all the buyer counseling, bedrooms, baths, financing, all that other trivia. Frankly, all that stuff trivia. Because if they don't pass the first three questions, I don't want to know about the rest of it. So now we have a buyer who's ready, willing, and able to buy, but you need to prepare them to buy in this market. And when I talk about negotiating, probably one of the most important skills of negotiating is managing expectations. That is the magic of negotiating. Mm. Magic act. And you DDR it. And you go, and it, you know, they... If you go back to the beginning, you can find out how the magic happened. Everybody comes around and they dance around this big box with, you know, fire and flames. And all of a sudden, some guy goes into a box and they're dancing around. And also at the end, bam, they open the box and he's gone and he comes from backstage. And goes, wow, that's magic. The guy's been backstage having a cigarette for about 10 minutes. You know, he disappeared <laughs> the very first second. And if you watch very carefully, you can see this guy lifted up a tarp for just a second. And the guy hid, ran off stage. So the magic of negotiating happens long before the buyer ever sets foot in the house. And that's the part agents don't get. They go, how do I overcome this objections? You don't overcome it. You manage it long before they get in your car. So to begin with, one of the questions I want to ask a buyer is, how many homes do you think you should see before you buy? 
Oh, mate, I want to see everything in Melbourne. Oh, uh, well, all right. There's 10,432 homes on the market. I can show 10 a day. Do the math on that. Well, I guess I didn't mean all 10,000. Okay, I know you didn't. I'm just having some fun with you. So let me ask you again, how many homes do you think you should see before you buy? Well, uh, I guess, you know, everything in our price range. Okay, let's get on the computer. Command F, boom, fine. Okay, there's 117 in your price range. Um, that's a lot of homes, but if you had to see them, I'd probably show them to you. But now let's eliminate the five-bedroom, the two-bedroom, this side of the freeway, that side of the freeway. You know, there's only 12 homes on the market in your price range that fit your criteria. And you know what? I'll show all to them. I'll show you all 12 if I need to. But you know what? I already know which one you're going to buy. And how about this? I'll take you out, and I'll show you four homes, one of which is the one I know you're going to buy. And then buy it. I'll give you the list of the other eight that you weren't going to buy, and you can go drive by them later on. Amazing. So that's a way to manage the expectations of how many bucks. I interviewed another guy in Atlanta, Georgia. He keeps track of every buyer he's worked with, and he keeps track of the first showing to when they buy. And he has a chart that shows the percentages of his buyers purchasing in the first week, second, third week, four week. And I don't remember the numbers, but as you might guess, you know, something like 64% of them bought within a week, another 32% bought in the second week and then they dribble off after that. So he just says, look, when I work with buyers, the majority of them find it in the first week, some it takes two weeks, and I do have a couple where we had to spend a month or two because what they were looking for was unique. So manage the expectations now. Don't wait till it's you've shown the 117th home. Next question you want to ask a buyer is, how would you feel if the first home I showed you is the one you want to buy? And then they'll probably say, hey, ain't no way I'm going to buy the first thing I ever saw. I did that. My daddy would kill me. So <laughs> first rule, don't ever show the best home first. That's the biggest mistake you'll ever make. So you kind of prepare them for that. And by the way, as I mentioned in part two, you've got to work with people who are buying. And they have to be buying because there is a reason in their life to buy, a lifestyle change. If the only reason they're going to buy is we want to get the best deal, we want to get the, the cheapest possible bargain you, these people, as I said, they'll suck your will to live. They are horrible. You do not want to work with people who are purely bargain hunters. So please be aware of that. If you sense you've got one of those, you might just say, you know, dude, I don't know if I can help you. <laughs> Next is uh, paying market value. And I think you have to ask this, the buyer, how do you feel about paying market value? Now, there's a difference between paying full price and paying market value. Um, but my answer to them is, you know, if market value is also the asking price, that's what you're going to pay. Now, the good news is market value has dropped 11.2% since whatever this timeline is. So the good news is the market's coming down. Now, but just so you know, even though prices are lower, homes still aren't free yet. <laughs> yeah. You know, we, we haven't reached the point of giving them away yet. They're still selling. And then you need to show real auction results and real uh, purchase agreements. Say, look, this one was asking three fifty nine. It's sold for three, whatever. And show them that homes they're still paying money for them. And um, so you've got to condition them before doing that. And I'm going to give you another really good technique on dealing with buyer expectations. But now I want to work into sell. As the market tapers off, I mentioned in the first segment that there's no such thing as bad press. There's only buyer press or seller press. 
So when all the media in Australia says, oh, it's come down, you know, it's, we're in a market crunch, interest rates are crunching, you know, the market's dropped by 11.3%, and they start talking about all this negative. Get as much of that stuff as you can and put it as the cover pages in your competitive market analysis. Because the one thing people tend to do is they believe press, even though it's complete BS, they'll, they'll believe it, so use it. And you say, you know, Mr. Business Seller, um, I just got to tell you uh, that, you know, I know you were hoping for a higher price for home, but in the market, I just want you to know the, the prices in your neighborhood, uh, they've come down a lot. A lot. A lot. More than you think. A lot more than you think. A lot more than you think. You know, they've come down. So, in fact, what you might do before you present the CMA is say, Mr. Masella, the prices really have dropped a lot. Here's all the news media. Here's another article, another article. Look, 17.9%, 52%. You know, they're giving them away. They're, they're burning them down. So, Mr. Masella, you know, before I even open up the CMA, I know it's going to be a disappointment to you. So, before I even open it up, let me just ask you, do you really, do you really want to sell now? see what they say and they might say gosh based on what you're telling me maybe not and say well then maybe this isn't the time for you how much longer do you guys think you could stay here well i don't know probably another year or two really oh then stay you got a lovely home it's great stay Mm -hmm. so one of the ways to find out if you got a motivated seller is talk them into staying so do you want to sell i mean one of the questions i ask i have a little card and on one side it has the word sell and the other side is the word stay do you want to sell do you want to Day. And they <laughs> yeah. say, well, we got to get more money for your home. Well, then you're probably going to stay. Yeah, but I got a job in Canberra. Well, then you better sell. Well, but I, I need more money. Then you're going to stay. My wife would kill me. Then you're going to have to uh, sell. <laughs> would you cut your commission? Oh, no, you're going to stay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you have that ability yeah. to manage expectations using dialogue because as we all know consumers don't get what they want often, but they get what they expect. And if they expect that they're going to you know, be selling up in a down market or selling down in an up market, that's what they're going to get. They don't experience the market as much as they experience their belief about it. And our job is to manage that expectations is what I'm hearing here. Pete, you had something to ask, David? I was just going to say that putting putting press at the front of your listing kit is absolute gold, isn't it? Like just to make sure and reinforce that they are hearing what the message is. And and, and I think that's key that they are hearing because they might listen to the message, but they're actually hearing uh, the message because what we're seeing is a lot of a lot of owners are burying their heads in the sand and and talking about twelve months, eighteen months ago, and well, that's what it is, and you know, basically, well, my it doesn't affect my property, you know, and we we always talk about you know when the tide goes out, it takes all boats with it, and but there is you know, absolute denial from um, from sellers right across the country. And David, the other right. thing is what happens oh. when, David, what happens when the owner hears what, everything you've said and they go, yeah, but you know what, Jack from XYZ Real Estate, he was really confident. He thought we'd definitely get our price. So he's so there's a tendency to almost listen to whoever tells the best story is the one that the consumer wants to sign with. And you could be absolutely spot on correct with all the right data, all the right information. You could be right, but not get the listing. So how do yep. you combat that? Yeah, well, that's yeah, well, that's where we're going to go next. Uh, so continuing on managing expectations with the sellers, just to reiterate, do they want to sell? Do they want to stay? And I want to make this point as clearly as I'll make anything in any one of these broadcasts. If they don't want to sell, nothing I say works. 
I'll say that again. If they don't want to sell, nothing I say, nothing you, nothing said in the history of real estate training works. So if you're working with somebody that they really don't want to sell, you know, we just, we could stay here. Then get the heck out of there. You do not have a seller. Move on. You know, unless you do windows or sheetrock or landscaping or some other, some other service, you can sell them. Great, but otherwise, get out of there. Nothing works on an unmotivated seller. So do you want to sell? Do you want to stay? Oh, you want to sell? Why? What happens if you don't sell? That's called an implication question. You've got to come up with what horrors will happen to your life if you don't sell. Well, I'll lose my job. My wife will leave me. We, you know, find out what those things are. Yeah. So uh, next, uh, do an updated CMA. Your CMA has got to be really, really, really updated. We know they don't believe the numbers in print. But here's another major point on when you do a competitive market analysis, when you do your net sheet, do you call them net sheets, the preliminary statement for sellers? It shows the, everything coming in minus everything going out equals the check you get at closing. Yeah, do absolutely. Yeah, we talk okay. about this right. is what you'll have in your pocket at the end of the transaction. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When, when you do the net sheet, you know, if you think the home's worth 400 and they want to try it at 450, never, ever, ever do a net sheet on a price higher than the market value. I don't, you know, even if you are sucked into listing it at a higher price, 425, you're going to test the market. You do the net sheet at 400, showing that the net at the end after mortgage and everything else is 117,000. So then, uh, you know, a month, two months from now, when the thing finally sells and an offer comes in, whatever it is, you can say, this is the net that we talk. So manage the net equity expectations up front. So buying up in a down market is one of the greatest benefits of a declining market. And it applies to any seller going from home A to B, B to C, C to D. It does not apply to a seller selling his or her last property. Those people, they're kind of screwed. But the ones in the middle can make a benefit out of that. So the guys in a home that used to be worth 400 came down 10% to 360. He lost 40 grand. You say, sir, you're right. You lost 40 grand. That's a real number, $40,000. And he laments how sad that is. And then he asked, Ask him, had you sold at 400 grand, what were you going to do? Buy another home. For how much money? Well, we were going to buy one for 600. 50% more is kind of the U.S. average. You, you figure your own numbers. And say, well, what do you think happened to the guy at the 600 home? What do you think the market affected you, not him? His home also came down by 10%. And 10% of 600,000 is 60 grand. So you lost 40, but you gained the benefit of his 60. You're $20,000 closer to his home now than you were at the peak of the market. You should frankly be grateful the market took a dip just for you. And that's the beauty of the dialogue, David, that it actually explains it. But I've seen you do this live and you actually draw it in a way where it's just, it is beyond dispute. So therefore the consumer goes, all of a sudden, I don't feel like I'm losing as much as I'm gaining. It's all about the changeover, which in a depressed market like this or a challenging market like this, everyone's getting paid less. The realtors are getting paid less or the real estate agency here in Australia are getting paid less. The changeover costs with lawyers or conveyances is less. So it's a great way of explaining to them how they're actually ahead by doing nothing more than taking advantage of the market forces. But the, the key word there is they've got to take advantage of it by doing something. Yeah, well, you have to, and you can, you've got to do some, uh, get your printouts of listings that, you know, sold. If you can find real properties, one that sold for, you know, 400 grand a year ago or whatever. And now that exact same property next door sold for 360. So you can do that. And then you find one for the used to be 600 sold for five something. If you can find some real numbers, so it's not just a technique, it's, it's got to be more than dialogue. Dialogue works, but you got to back it up with evidence. So uh, the next, I want to close with the absolute best technique 
that I have ever had used on me, used on me many times. I've done it to myself a few times just as a way of being educated in the market, and that is the game, The Price is Right. Yeah. Um, do you have that TV show in Australia? The yeah. Price is Right. Let's guess this new, fully equipped dishwasher now. <laughs> Go ahead, let's play The Price is Right. And somebody says, well, I think it's, uh, you know, 400 bucks. Then everybody has to guess the price. So you do have that game there, right? We had it, it. We had it. Used to be on TV, but we've moved to a lot of reality TV now. Of course, like shows like The Block, which uh, you know. But no, we okay. uh, most people would know it. That's all good. Okay. Well, this is the game. The real estate price is right. We're going to do the seller version and the buyer version. Um, I'm going to do the buyer version first. Here's how the buyer version goes. You've done all your preparation to the buyers. You've done. You know, you've done all the questions. Everything we talked about in this in this audio. And say, Mr. and Mrs. Buyer, one of the most important things that I can do for you is to help you learn the market here in Melbourne. What I'm going to do, our first showing is at 3 o'clock, but we're going to head out a little bit early, and we're going to play a game called The Price is Right. You ever seen that on television? Yeah, well, we're going to play the real estate version of it. I have a $20 Starbucks gift certificate card, and Jim and Karen, what I'm going to have you do is guess the sale price of three homes in the community in which you want to buy. Are you guys ready for that? I have the uh, information sheet on a home. We're going to drive by. I'm going to tell you about it. Uh, this sold. You pull up in front of the house. And say, okay, this is three bedrooms, two baths, double garage. Uh, it was on the market for this long, and it just sold uh, 11 days ago. So why don't you guys, I want you to guess the sale price of this. And you let them look at it. You let them think about it. And, and one spouse says, uh, oh, I'm going to guess uh, $360. The other one says, no, nah, I think my wife's a little low. I think I'm going to go 3D. Is that your final answer? Yeah, 380. Okay. Uh, this sold for $1.2 million. $1.2 million. No, it's not going to be that far, but that's how it will feel to them. They say, no, this sold for 475 for that? Are you joking me? Nope, sold for 475 And they go, wow, okay. Then you take one another home. And they get two more guesses, and they come in low. And this time they're closer, they guess... Uh, I'm making up numbers here. They guess 425. You see, you guys are getting better. This sold for 440. 440. Wow, that's amazing. I've done this to myself in my. Rick, I may have even done it with you driving around your neighborhood. Well, I'll look at a house, say, let me see, that sold for X. And you go, no, 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 that sold for X plus whatever. And when I do that with clients in cities where I speak, it, literally within three homes, I'm guessing within three, four, five percent of the actual price. Yeah. So. Yeah. What'll happen on the third one, your buyers is like, gosh, if they got 475 for this, I suppose this is five and a quarter. You go, you guys are good. Yep. Sold for, you know, whatever, 524. Yeah. And, uh, and they guess the prices. Now, the next thing you do, if you're really, and by the way, for those of you listening and say, oh, I don't want to play that game. Guess what? You can't not play this game. Mm. It's impossible. You can't do it. If, even if you say, Knox, I'm not going to play the game. You can't not do it because you are going to show them three homes and they are going to have a preconceived belief about the value and they are going to find out the real price and they're going to be all pissed off. Hmm. So if you're going to have them pissed off in the market, have them angry at homes that have already sold, not the ones you want them to buy. And we know this. How stupid is that? And we know that works, what? David, because you we you did do this with me in both uh, Minnesota, where one of your homes is. You did it with me in Palm Springs, and then when you stay with us uh, in Melbourne, we we mucked around and did it in our marketplace as well. So it's very much the case of by the time you show them the first live home you want them to consider buying themselves, they are already educated to the market, and so you don't have to yep. move them so far and the negotiations, which I guess is what you're getting yep. towards. It's the byproduct of playing the game beforehand. 
Yeah, and the key is, by the way, a lot. Some people miss the key part of this. This is you must have them guess the prices. You can't just drive by three homes and tell them the numbers. Yeah, that that doesn't do anything. They they actually have to think and ponder and come up with a number. And then, if you want to have some more fun with this, when you get to the home you want them to buy, you pull up to the front door, you get out to show them the property, say, "Mr. Miss Buy, how did you feel about the game? Kind of fun, wasn't it? Karen, you won. You were the closest most time. How would you guys like to keep playing the game?" Uh, I'll tell you what, I have all the information in this house. I'll just keep it here. I'll give it to you at the end of the show. Let's go ahead and take a look around. And by the way, this is a home that's for sale. And if you guys like it, you know what? You could buy it today. And then at the end of the show, I can just say, how'd you feel about the property? Well, you guys want to guess the price? Oh, and they guess the number. And their guess in relation to the real price will tell you kind of how much they like it. If they really like it, they'll probably guess pretty close. So that's the buyer version of prices, right? The beauty of it is it educates buyers. It does it very quickly. They're mad at the market. They're not mad at you. You've managed their expectations. And now you have buyers uh, who, are, who are ready to buy. Now, if, if somehow they just never get it, that's, that's a different story. So now here's the seller version just of the before, price. Just, David, just before you go into the sellers, I just want just, to just sort of stop at that point there because a lot of us are stopping or, sorry, focusing on one side of the transaction. Now, typically when a market goes down, it's all about let's get the seller down, let's get the seller down, the seller's too high, seller's too high. So this would be really foreign, wouldn't it, Rick, to, uh, to many agents out there in terms of the preparation for a buyer. I just thought that, that was great stuff, David, absolutely brilliant. You know, the dialogue, the preparation for a buyer and the strategy of how you're going to show homes, I mean, that's just back to grassroots selling, isn't it? It is, and it's fantastic, David, because that, that's exactly what current real estate agents need right across Australasia. I'm talking Australia and New Zealand here. In micro markets, in macro markets, it doesn't realistically matter. We have to manage the expectations of the buyers. And a lot of it sounds like it's role playing and a lot of agents go, oh, I don't really want to role play. I say, well, you're role playing anyway. It's just <laughs> you're doing it live in the marketplace, uh, but it's costing you a transaction every time you make a mistake. Where in this instance, oh, yeah. you're, you're having when a I bit of a learning say, experience. Oh, I don't like role playing. I don't care if you like it or not. Do it. Yeah. Yeah, God, I'm just so I'm so sick. Daniel, like role playing. Hey, in fact, I'm going to take role playing to, uh, to a higher level. I call it I practice. Yeah. Small I, capital P. And what that means is when you do your role playing, add a third person to hold the subject's iPhone horizontally, and you videotape the role play. You record it on your mobile device. Never longer than five minutes. Five minutes is enough to see what works and what doesn't. You record it and you play it back. The person playing the agent use his or her iPhone. That way this person could destroy the video file after they're done. Yeah. But I, I will say this. Watching yourself in a video role play, uncomfortable as I guarantee you it will be, will teach you more about improving your skills than any other single thing you will do as a real estate agent. Absolutely. Period. And of story. Agree. And the people Agree. That, that are afraid to do it are the same people who are afraid to take a lie detector test. There's a reason they're afraid <laughs> to take a lie detector test because they know they're lying. Agents <laughs> who are absolutely, definitely afraid to role play on video, they know they suck. They just don't want to confirm it. Yeah. Yeah. And so in the time we've got left, let's wrap sellers. up the, uh, the sellers, uh, the price is right for sellers. Okay. The seller version of the price is right. Obviously, very, very similar. The difference is instead of showing properties that have sold, and by the way, let me reiterate that. The buyer version of the price is right. You show properties that are already sold, so there's no argument about it. The seller version, you show properties that are still for sale. And the reason for that is because every seller will absolutely buy into the fact, my gosh, if he can buy this home for 400 
You know, it's not like a sale price. I mean, they're only asking that much. Therefore, I must be under it. So you call it a CMA field trip. You go to the seller. You must have the seller. Your home's been on the market now for, uh, you know, uh, seven and a half years. I'm sure you must be frustrated <laughs> that it hasn't sold. And I think we need to reposition in the market. And one of the most important things we can do as a homeowner is to examine our competition. So what I want to do is I want to pick you up at 7 o'clock. We're going to do a CMA field trip, and I'm going to take you out. We're going to take a look at three homes, and I want you to guess the price. And you take uh, real estate live number seven. If anybody has that DVD or online, you can see somebody actually do this. You take the seller into the first property. Now the challenge is, you know, in Australia, cause you're not MLS. I don't know if you can get into another home for sale. It's not really a buyer. It's a seller. So you figure that out, but you walk into the home, you don't tell them anything about the property. Say, let's go around the home. You take a look. And at the end of the showing, come back and say, okay, um, why don't you go ahead and guess the price? And I'll use some numbers a lady did in one of our role, in live, for real. And uh, she said, oh, I'm going to guess the home's uh, 440. And Cindy, the agent, said, no, no, under 440. Okay, uh, 420. Nope, under 420. Uh, under 400, actually. And she goes, huh, under 400? And she guessed a little bit more, and Cindy says, nope, 379. And the seller's jaw dropped, literally dropped like a cartoon. Takes her to the second home. She guesses low 400s. It actually sold for high threes. Third home. Finally, she started guessing under 400 and she got closer, you know, to the high threes. So the next scene, Cindy goes back to the house and she said, how did you feel about the CMA field trip? And the seller was very, very quiet, very quiet because she had seen reality. That'll take you out of denial. You know, that will looking in the mirror and, and she was confronted with it and she just, and Cindy kind of saved her from the full embarrassment. She said, I wanted you to see these homes because they are your competition. Any buyer who sees your home will have seen these first. Mm -hmm. So based on that, if you want to be considered in the same light as these three homes, where do you think your home should be priced? Yeah. Yeah. And you don't even have to give a number. The seller, I think she came up at, I don't know, 379 and they did a price adjustment. So yeah. that's the seller version of the price is right. Yeah, which is fantastic. And I think it certainly gets back to the whole concept as you started this second part of our two-part interview series, David, where it's all about managing expectations and how does the magician pull the rabbit out of the hat? He puts it in there in the first place. So it's all about putting some things in at the very start of the process so that when you want the magic to happen, it's as an end result of you doing all the hard work early by educating, educating, key word there, educating your consumer consumer as to what the market reality is because people don't get the reality till they adjust their expectation which i think it's fair to say pete david i think that's that's absolutely fantastic i think you've given us a lot of pieces to the puzzle there and one of the th key things i said before i think that that the buyers are the forgotten puzzle but also the fact that it, it takes time to get buyers to see it the way they should see it or for sellers to see it the way they should see it so there's not only the time there's also you know, well and truly the information that needs to be provided to them so they can make an informed decision. So you've given us some great tools, David. There's some great dialogue, some wonderful tools, and hopefully some great certainty in that, that things will turn around. But it is what we make it, Rick, isn't it? It is, and it's all about decision time and choice time. And, David, you started off the first part of this interview talking about it's all about choosing what you want to do with your time, choosing what you want to do with your balance of your time in the business and making better choices. And I think one of the best choices our subscribers could do 
is to just to log on to davidknox.com. There you'll find some client videos, some live seminar videos where you can see how David operates in his training rooms, his educational rooms. But most importantly, and certainly for business owners, that online training system, I know some of my closest friends in real estate are online users of David's products and they tell me that they actually have their whole yearly sort of training calendar done for them because it's David in the education room, but it's also David out live in the field with absolute gun operators across his marketplace in the US and he's actually capturing how they actually go about a lot of the processes that he talks about because David believes that process precedes results so he's got the ability as some of these agents he coaches he gets to show you as a student how these elites do it and it's as simple as three clicks away you sit there with your sort of uh, you know whether it be an iPad or on your big TV screen in your training room uh, these are available to you resources that are just so simple to do and I've got to say someone who bought one of your very first VHS cassettes David way back in the 90s about you know, still pricing your one. home to I've sell still got one. <laughs> and you know the, the one that you know David because you've seen it in my home it's about the how to negotiate and tough times i can guarantee you i i can't even remember what i paid for that video all i know is it created uh, more than a million dollars of gross commission income for me and it was something that i would just rewind and re re rehearse and just keep on doing it and i've got to say to you as i hear you speak now you know a couple of decades later from our first meeting knowing who you are knowing the gift you give this industry the ability to help upscale not just the existing practitioners but helping onboard new people uh, your your site is an absolute must go to site for any agent that is committed to getting better in all markets and I, I can't implore that enough and knowing you as a friend as I do the ability you said uh, yeah I'm happy to do this uh, podcast interview happy to help and knowing how busy this next sort of next period is for you is something that Peter and I really don't take for granted mate we really want you to know how thankful we are for that mm, absolutely and, you know, it's time-tested strategies. David, you are an well, absolute master and uh, of your craft and it's just so so wonderful to hear you speak so many times and to, and to hear you now and keep delivering some just some key messages and some wonderful inspiration and I know some great strategies that so many of our listeners will take away. You are one of the best. That is undoubtedly the case, one of the well, best. Well, thank you very much and... Uh Anything I can do to thank you, Rick, for all that you have done for me over the last 22 years. Uh, I, I'm trying to catch up, and I don't know I'll, I don't know how many of these I would need to do to catch up for all the wonderful things you've done for me, both as a professional as a friend. I thank you very much. Well, that's very kind of you, and I guess the only thing I'll say to wrap this up is what David shared over these last two interviews is probably 1% of what he knows. There's 99% still there. If you want to go onto davidknox.com and you want to subscribe to his training information, we're not. he didn't do this to sell this, and in fact, he's probably a little bit embarrassed that we're actually reinforcing this point, but as someone who has sat in his training rooms, as someone who has sat in his living room, as someone who has sat in his spa, uh, I can tell you that you just you leave that exchange far better than you arrived at it. So to anyone listening, jump on to davidnox.com. Make sure you take advantage of the great resources that are there. David Knox, you go incredibly well, as I know you will do. The best for you for the end of this year. And again, thank you on behalf of all of our listeners to, uh, on Voices of Value. Thank you, David. You are very welcome.
Well, Pete, I don't know what you thought of those two interviews, but for me, it was just, I was pinching myself thinking, I know this stuff works because uh, I've actually been a student of David's and I brought it into the marketplace and I use a lot of that information in the classes that I you know, sort of conduct and take. And I often say, you know, you can get this stuff from davidknox.com, but it stri- strikes me as amazing how, how few of the modern agents actually understand the absolute value this guy has been bringing to our industry for the better part of three and a half decades. Well, Rick, yeah, we first saw him back in the 90s, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Uh, and they were, in, they were in tough markets. So for us, it's it's a market now. For for the newer people, it, it probably is a, a, a tougher market. Sure. Time-tested, that's the thing. I love hearing from people who have done mm. it and, 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 and tried it. And we've adopted this and actually used it ourselves mm. in living rooms and seen it work, seen it work firsthand. So it's great to hear again from someone with such incredible wisdom and knowledge around the market that we're facing right now. Gee, there was a lot of stuff in that. Oh, there was. And just let's also not lose sight of the fact he's getting up virtually in the next six hours to jump on a plane. Uh, to get up to Boston, which is going to be the venue for the National Association of Realtors Convention. To give you uh, an idea on that, you know, it's somewhere between 15,000 in a bad sort of year and 25,000 real estate agents from more than 40 countries around the world coming here from the industry's best. He's been doing it for 30 years. Uh, I can assure all of our subscribers, if you know of any real estate trainers across Australasia, I get asked all the time, how do you get to speak at NAR? I was fortunate to do it in 2008 and fortunate uh, to do it twice realistically, both times because of David and his ability to get me in. But, you know, I get asked why every great trainer across Australasia was it take to get in there. And I say it's very, very tough. You have to pass a, a pretty big test. And he's been doing it time tested, always rated high. And for anyone who's been to ARIC, most of the early speakers at ARIC were just NAR speakers that were invited to come and speak to it in Australia. So we're really, really fortunate to have him. You can hear the generosity in the way he wants to give and how much information he's got to give. So again, I know we plugged it all the way through, but anyone who has the opportunity to click on the davidnox.com, that's a whole resource page right there that can set up your career no matter what level you're at. No matter where you're at in real estate, there wasn't a winner who wasn't first a beginner. David's got stuff that will help you in your rookie year right through to your next best available year, whether that be you know a decade or two in. What an absolute privilege to have him on the show. We'll see you next time. We trust you enjoyed listening to Voices of Value, a shared conversation between Rick Rushton and Peter Kakos. Their views are not necessarily those of the wider world, but they should be. If you're keen to enhance the quality of your life even further in the future, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or your preferred podcast source. Our website is voicesofvaluepodcast.com, and we welcome both your feedback and ratings on the content we provide. Join the conversation again next week when Peter and Rick continue the search for truth, justice, and the value-added way. 